Hi guys, my name is Vivek Raina. I am CEO and co-founder of Excitable Broadband. Happy to be with you here. Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. You may have heard this famous phrase that was first written by the great sci-fi author Arthur C. Clarke. Imagine someone from the 1970s who time travels to today. The fact that we have internet everywhere will seem like magic to him. In this episode of the Founder Thesis podcast, we peek behind the curtains of this magic as your host Akshay Dutt interviews Vivek Rena, the founder of Excitel. Excitel is the David-facing Goliaths like Reliance, Jio, and Airtel in the battle for getting internet to our homes. And despite such large competition, Excitel has continued to scale up rapidly. In this conversation, Vivek talks about the nuts and bolts of getting the internet to our homes and how he found a niche in a competitive market and managed to thrive in an extremely capital-efficient manner. Listen on, and if you like such insightful conversations with disruptive startup founders, then do subscribe to the Founder Thesis podcast on any audio streaming app. My first job was in a broadband company, a wireland broadband company. I'm talking about 2001. And ever since that day till now, I have been just doing one thing, selling broadband in various companies at various levels. Now I co-founded this company, but that's my job from last 22 years, 21 years now, selling wireland broadband in the country. You must have seen the technology change. Like 2001, you started your first job. I think at that time, it must have been copper wires, right? Through which... Yeah, it was coaxial wires. The wires are similar to TV wires. Uh, the technology is called DOCSIS, Data or System Interface Specification, which means use existing TV wires to deliver broadband. So yeah, and the speeds we were to... We were uh, delivering where 128 kbps, 256 kbps package uh, in our bouquet of packages was 512 kbps. Gold premier we used to call it. And now start from 200 mbps. The basic package here exactly is 200 mbps. So obviously technology has changed a lot from DOCSIS, then to DSL, then to LAN. And now what is DSL? Digital subscriber line. See, what happened was that these technologies were developed in the US and Europe. So they wanted existing wires going to houses to be used for delivering internet. And uh, because it's not very easy to redo the wiring in the streets, in the homes. So in US, because cable TV was a big thing and cable companies were also massive, so they developed this technology called DOCSIS. And in Europe, telephone was big because every house had a telephone line. So they used telephone wire uh, going to house delivery. And that technology was called DSL and uh, the one using cable TV wires was called DOCSIS. Yeah, but ultimately people realize that none of these technologies are going to scale with the scaling bandwidth and scaling technology. The needs of why you access internet changed drastically over a period of time. Initially it was just data, now it's mostly video. Data is now a small part of it, 90% of it is video. And uh, both these technologies are not meant for such deliveries. And one had to rely fully on fiber. And now the gold standard is the world fiber to home. So yeah, that's we do here, that's probably what you are on in Japan, and that's what they do in US and Europe. So, FTTH. When did fiber get introduced to India? Uh, well, for core network, it got pretty early. I think even in 2003, 2003, around that time, 
the company started using it for core network but what i'm talking about is fiber to home that's a i think three four years back technology also developed you see fiber was there we understood that fiber can carry huge amount of data and is not disturbed by uh, let's say the signals or weather conditions because it's light ultimately going in unlike other technology where it's electricity and electricity gets hampered by a lot of things how does light travel through a wire? Is there wire reflective? Because if it turns... It's, uh, it's not actually wire. It's actually a hollow pipe with glass inside. So there is a phenomena called total internal reflection. Like you have diamond in your hand, light goes in and starts reflecting in the corners and it sparkles. Similar, you have a pipe and in pipe there is glass on all sides and you pump in a laser beam of a specific frequency amplitude rather in this case and it starts at a certain amplitude and it reaches the other side without much loss because it's light and uh, you can put multiple beams in the same pipe because multiple amplitudes can go yeah okay a- amplitude like yeah. light of like say white light yellow light they will have different amplitudes yeah exactly exactly yeah so simply put yes you can say that so but what it does basically is that it increases tremendously the amount of data you can put in that small pipe hundreds of times. The limitation is only of the electronic equipment that you put in between to amplify or to receive or to broadcast. So it was a game changer for the world of telecommunication around the world. And here in India, coming back to your question, we started using it to, I think, to when people realized that it's a great thing to do and it started converting copper, existing copper wires into fiber. And, and yes, but what we're now talking about is fiber to the home. That was uh, very difficult to do because it's one thing to do to convert your core lines. It's very difficult and different to go into the streets, lanes, by lanes, go to every household with a fiber wire. So we had to look at technologies which are evolving around the world and also price points uh, were important. Ultimately, something called uh, technology got PON, Passive Optical Network Technology. Uh, there are various versions of it, G-PON, E-PON. They started coming and the prices started easing out. The extent that we could ever deploy it. So I think five, around five, six years back is when telcos in India took it on them. Around five, five and a half years back. The technology is mature enough for our mass deployment. But around three and a half years back, we started going fully on FTTH fiber to home. Like before we talk about the Exitel journey, I, I want to understand the origin of the idea of Exitel and what made you want to quit a job. You were at DigiCable when you decided to start Exitel. So, so what made you want to quit that job and start on your own? And what did you see as a gap in the market? And- yes, it's a, it's a funny thing that India has been doing very well in mobile broadband and mobile telephony. We have, what, 600 million users of mobile broadband, mobile telephony? 600 million. And do you know how many users of wireless broadband are in the country? It's just it's just 20 million. Yeah. So, two, two crores. Is that 20 million? So, somehow the penetration never increased in the country. And also, nobody was talking about it because mobile was taking all the, you know, show. It was hogging all the limelight. And it was easier to do for telcos because mobile is what? You, you just erect a tower and the whole locality starts lighting up. 
In this business, you have to go to each and every household with that wire. Household pens is more difficult to do this compared to mobile. The scaling up is harder. So it was it was low hanging fruit. Um, telcos did it, and also the uh, regulators and the government was also looking at that. So wireline somehow took a backseat. But our penetration uh, after so many years is still forget lower than the developed countries. Forget Japan and forget Korea. We are doing worse than Nepal and Bangladesh of penetration of wireline broadband. And there's a clear correlation between development of a country and penetration of wireline broadband. There are worldwide studies which show 10% increase in wireline broadband leads to 1% growth of the country. There's a direct correlation. So, so I think somebody need to kickstart the ecosystem. But you were already in the ecosystem. You were already like part of it. So what, did you see a gap in the market? So I was working with various companies. As I said, we started with Hathway, then went to Reliance, went back to Hathway, then to DigiCable. In all these companies, we made we make grandiose plans of rolling out wireline. But somehow the response never came. Somehow the plans didn't get fully executed. Somehow the funding was not there for this line because companies had other ideas. This could never ha- uh, happen somehow. And then in DigiCable, I met, happened to met my co-founders. Now these co-founders of mine are from Eastern Europe, Bulgaria. Now Bulgaria is an interesting country. It is a European country, part of the EU, but the Eastern part of it, you know, more like Eastern people rather than Western people. And also, they were under the Iron Curtain uh, till 1990. You know, they were part of the USSR block and everything was government-owned and uh, didn't have any private companies. Now, in 1990, it got privatized. 1991, it started getting privatized. And my co-founders had started one of the first internet companies in Bulgaria, private internet companies in Bulgaria. And uh, became very successful there and ultimately they sold it. They had to dodge telecom and they were looking for opportunities and they came to India and we, we exchanged notes, tried to understand the markets and what they pointed out was very important. The fact was that he said one of the issues that you have, why the penetration is not increasing, one of the major issues is that you are still having very, very slow speeds, which means users cannot watch videos. This cannot be used for videos. It can be used only for surfing the net. Back then, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about... Uh, year 2010-11 when we met. They said, uh, right now, internet here is a productivity enhancement tool. And Eastern mind is not so much concerned about productivity at home, work productivity at home. At home, they want leisure, they want entertainment, they want relaxation, not productivity. So uh, you are basically, that's why one of the major reasons why it's not uh, scaling here. You are selling it as productivity on this tool. If you increase the speeds 10 times and users can watch videos and that at home, then you have a chance. So that was one uh, thing that sort of, you know, opened my eyes. The other thing was the nature of Indian cities, the nature of Indian urban conglomerates. What does it mean? See, 35% of all Indian cities are fully planned, but 75% have evolved on their own. For example, take any Indian city, big metro, you have 35% which are fully planned, properly structured, lanes, bylanes, or multiple uh, multi-stories with shafts, all that. That's not where 75% of urban Indians live. Uh, 75% of urban Indians live in those areas which have evolved on their own. Lanes and by lanes. The, the village which got absorbed by the city. Exactly, exactly. Serpentine uh, lanes and so on and so forth. And okay, in, in, in past, it was very difficult to go to these areas simply because there was no market there. Because to use broadband, you needed a laptop or a desktop. And these people would buy a laptop or a desktop. You had to see laptop. But all that changed now. 
you need for a consuming internet for consuming entertainment on internet all you need is a handheld device a palm top or a tab or even a phone and almost everybody in urban india has a smartphone so that means these areas have opened as potential markets and they're not focusing there they're still focusing on to high margin areas these two realizations were the genesis of excitel uh, is where excitel uh, enough thought that we need to make a difference first and foremost bringing the speeds bringing the high speeds to the indians have data limits because we used to have something called data limits in the country fair use policy it was strangely called fair use policy which was very unfair it basically said that that will penalize you for using internet it didn't make sense at all the contrary to excitel when we started in 2015 we never had any fair usage policy uh, unfair usage policy i would call them all our plans were completely unlimited you can use uh, those plans 24 by 7 keep on downloading keep on watching videos nothing will change and the other thing that we don't more, more importantly was the fact that when the speeds normal speed in the city of delhi for example was 1 or 2 mbps we started with 20 mbps so that people can actually use the video hd video they can see the difference between the tv and a, and a real hd video and um, what was digicable doing they were also like they were doing internet through cable lines or they were doing through co- combination of everything basically it was basically cable tv company and they had a division uh, doing internet and i was taking the part care of that part okay it was a secondary business for and also come what may and it was like that there was no focus on any specific line it was let's do something and let's do the whether you have to sell bulk whether you have to sell corporate whether you have to sell retail do it prior to 2 3 now stand alone internet players still play there is there are two or three players which are only stand alone internet players in the country stand alone wireline broadband players in the country one is act the other is us third is probably no no there's nobody left really because all of them have been brought by the telcos so there are only two companies doing real companies doing the wireline broadband uh, the others are who have multiple business lines so similarly with the, these cable tv companies they were doing cable tv but they're thinking now that my wire is going let's use this for something else also the real plan or vision was not there so we did two things akshay first and foremost was this speed play with speeds that we did then secondly we understood that this 30% of market everybody will go there and let them play there but we have to go to the 70% of the market so called aratra than india people who have been denied world class broadband services by telcos so we have we need to go there but to go there we do obviously be very cognizant of the fact that the arpus would be much lower there it doesn't matter now that you talk about 70% of the urban users so you can afford cheaper arpus so we kept the arpus at around 500 rupees always so that it is tantalizingly close to cable tv because every home even in jugi in urban india has a cable tv connection why can't they migrate to this and then also we sort of showed them it's a video consumption uh, service rather than a data service alone so so it opens up certainly and the third thing that we did and more interestingly because it's very difficult to do wiring in such areas it's very difficult to lay wire and then maintain that wire in such areas we tied up with local partners in every such locality and these local partners are local investors they invest in on the fiber and lay the fiber and maintain the fiber while as everything else we do we do sales we bring in our customers on board we provide cx billing and collection is done by us so and so forth i mean it's mostly online these guys 
raise the fiber and maintain the fiber in the locality, in the specific locality. We bring core fiber up till their place. Just to give you an example, in Delhi, we have 700 such partners taking care of various localities, 700 localities of Delhi. Now we have around 6,500 kilometers of fiber, which we maintain. This fiber goes to those partners, office or a co or a shack of that partner. Uh, it's going there. And from that point onwards to the each and every home in the locality, the partner uh, lays the fiber and maintains the fiber. So with the partner, we share our uh, revenue. There's a revenue sharing agreement for that locality uh, running on that network. It's so-called Uberization of broadband we have done. Uh, it's over for of doing it. But tell me this, you quit your job and you had some savings, but I'm sure they would not have been enough to start a broadband company. I'm assuming there would be a lot of upfront investment in equipment and I don't even know what is the supply chain here. Where does the, from where do you source the supply of broadband that you further distribute? Uh, yeah. Tell me about that whole journey of starting up and i always wanted to do it myself but then i found my co-founders in the bulgarian guys victor francis and nikolai gorsalov okay they, they also didn't have money to do it but the idea was there and once we had the idea we started seeking out for investors and ultimately found uh, one investor in bulgaria and it started with basic investment of one and a half million one and a half million euros which is peanuts in this business and but when we started with that but since the model was clever in which this broadband business 80 percent of all capex is last mile last mile means the last cable now this 80 percent is outsourced to uh, many many local entrepreneurs so that's why we have been much much more i think at least 30 40 percent more capital efficient than any telco that, that's how we started and so we raised this one and a half million and we had promised them 50,000 users in the first year rather well, it was our internal target 50,000 users in the first year and 35,000 users is what we had told the investors promised them delivered one lakh in the first year itself and this idea of uberization the local entrepreneurs for last mile this was there right from the beginning or you stumbled upon it after starting up like there was I, um, these local entrepreneurs like cable operators were being used by many ISPs, internet providers to deliver bandwidth. But in a very, very crude way, they were telling them, okay, this is the wire. I have brought the wire up to you. Now do whatever you want to do. You do the sales, you do the CX, you do everything. Now these guys have no freaking idea what sale means, what CX means, what proper customer onboarding and handling means. So yeah, we sort of made it much better. And it has been an interesting journey ever since from those one lakh users the first month. Now we have around 7.5. So in, in one month, how did you get one lakh users in a, in a month's time? Like In a year, in a year, not a month. In a year, sorry. How, how did you do that? What was the customer acquisition strategy? And Door-to-door sales. We have door-to-door sales forces who do door knocking, pamphleting, intercepting customer on the street and so forth. Very difficult to make them understand that 20 Mbps speed is possible. All the wireline providers are giving 1 or 2 Mbps, mobile was giving 256 Mbps. Suddenly you're telling them for 500 rupees you get 20 uh, Mbps of speed. They don't believe you. They say, oh, you're lying. They say, no, check. No, check. You're lying. You're a liar. But once people realize that it's really possible and we're giving those speeds and there's no fair usage policy, it's sold like hotcakes in the first year. Yeah. The product itself was so much better than the alternative that it sold. The, the, the competitors didn't know what to do, what I hit them, what is it, what are they talking about, how do they make money, how is it possible. But yes, then obviously they started learning second, second, third year onwards. And uh, how do you make money? Well, tell me the supply chain for internet. You are receiving that bandwidth or I don't know what, but you're receiving that bandwidth which you're further supplying. So Yeah, it, it's interesting that what you buy basically is just... 10 to 15 percent of what you sell because uh, you buy international minutes international capacity from a, from 
gateway provider because uh, in the country there are just two or three gateway providers. You buy capacity right from them. That's just ten percent of ten to fifteen percent of what your users get. But then uh, because you make pairing arrangements with all country providers. So for example, Google would sit in your cache, would sit in your data center. They will say that I want to pair it to my user and uh, I don't depend on the international routes. I want to sit inside your room. If you're big enough and you have uh, enough users, they come and sit in your, they pair with you. And similarly, other country providers, whether it is Amazon, whether it is Akamai, whether it's uh, Disney, all of these guys want to come near to the customer, Netflix, every, everybody. They want to come near it. So they will place their server in your premises. Yes, they will place their server in our premises or in some cases they will bring their own fiber in our premises to say, okay, uh, just for their uh, services. They may be in a city of like Bombay, which has gateway. They will be a sort of data center and they say, okay, bring your fiber here and take my services. So something like that. So 90% of all traffic that is consumed by the users today is from these content arrangements. Okay. And one question here on these content arrangements. Is there a commercial angle here also? Like, do they pay you rent for location on your premises or do you pay them something? You pay whatever it takes to reach there and they place servers in your data center and obviously they'll not pay any rent for that. So, so nobody pays, uh, no party pays each other anything, but logistics you have to take care of. Okay. Got it. 10% is uh, what you are paying to the gateway. Percent is uh, to paying to the gateway. That's the international traffic which goes through submarine cables. So, for example, uh, interaction like this cannot be done through caching servers. It has to be through international uh, gateway. Yeah, but all video consumption, all uh, content, OTT is through caching. All the whole of YouTube is cached. Most of it is cached. So that that's how it is. And then you have your own logarithms in your data center, which prioritizes some traffic, gives proper packet-wise understanding of how you're going to maintain your services to the users. And then you obviously create packages for them speed-wise. Why do you need these algorithms? What would happen if there were no algorithms? It's then more crude. For example, right now we have a video conversation and somebody is watching the, let's say, YouTube video, which is not cached, but is coming internationally. So this cannot have a break. That can have a break. You understand that video can come slowly because it's getting cached while he's watching. But this is live. So so such prioritization needs to be done uh, properly. Or the video can go low resolution when the bandwidth is low, but the audio remains clear. Exactly. M- many such uh, announcements. That, those are done. And then obviously you distribute it in packets. So uh, obviously the billing information has to be kept there. And then you take it out from your data center uh, through your rings across, fiber rings across the city. Multiple fiber rings, which are basically self-healing, MPLS, they call them. Well, what is a fiber ring? What does the word ring here mean? Yeah, all the fiber you lay in a city has to be in a ring architecture. Because if it cuts from one place, there's a fiber cut, it starts working from the other side. You understand? For example, I create a ring, I lay fiber across the city in a ring fashion. And I have my points of presence on that ring everywhere from which I run the uh, partners. Now, if there's a fiber cut at one place, it doesn't matter. The ring will automatically go from the other side and, uh, you know, connect the partner. Okay, 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 okay. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. All this is automatic and self-healing. So you need to do that. So you do that, you create points of presence. From that points of presence, you connect the partner and put a device called OLT, optical line transfer there. With What's a point of presence? Uh, it's like you're tapping into that ring. That's a point of presence. 
That's right. That's right. That's right. Obviously, there are electronic equipments to do that. We do that. Then it goes to the partner's premise where you put OLT, optical line transmitter there, which is a, a core device for going to homes. And from that, various wires go and you can enter the homes then. And while you... So it changes that information into something which is, which can go through a, like a smaller wire. Okay. That's right. And then once you are uh, inside homes, you put uh, your Wi-Fi routers there and you are on. Like from a PNL perspective, what is the PNL like for? So you said ten percent is what you would pay as gateway charges, and the rest would be like cost of laying wire and all of that. Or? Oh, uh, the biggest cost always is the manpower cost because you have huge armies to sell. For example, we have three thousand people right now. The staff strength is three thousand two hundred directly employed people. And uh, there are partner employees also. People aligned with Excitel as around seventy eight thousand. But yeah, people cost is the biggest cost that we have. And this people cost is for sales or also for running the network? Sales and CX primarily. These are the two biggest heads: people who onboard customers and people who resolve issues of the customers. CX means call center, chat support, so on and so forth. And also people who go and outsell. That's the biggest cost. And there are hierarchies there, so on and so forth. But then there are other obviously heads also, but these two comprise the maximum manpower. Okay. You, 2015, you started, right? So by 2016, you hit 1 lakh users and you had raised that 1.5 million. What kind of revenues were you doing that time? Very difficult to judge. I think around 50 lakh 500 rupees was an ARP, you can sit away, uh, say. So after that, we went for another round, which was 5 million. Which year was that? It was year 17 or 18. When we bought the second round, Series B, we call it. So we took it to 5 uh, lakh users with that. And then after Series B came the Series C, which was around 10 million, around 100 crores, which we have done like months back. Now we closed it. And uh, we are now at 7.5 lakh users as of today. So basically, need for fundraise is to expand geographically. Like every new region you open up needs a certain amount of investment in laying the fiber and building a team and offices and kickstart those operations you need money and after a year or so it starts paying back but then for that till that time you need to invest so yeah the need of money is to expand you rightly got it you can do some expansion with your internal accruals from the older cities for example delhi play, plays a big part in that but well, only in a small way because if you want to start a big city like delhi it can be done with the proceeds from delhi so right now we're in around 29 cities um, across the country uh, major cities being delhi bombay bangalore and then the smaller towns around it for example in up we have around 10 12 cities right from gorakhpur to meerut uh, all the whole belt, Guntur, Vijayawada, and, and the towns in that periphery. Currently, we have Bangalore, Bangalore, we have Mangalore. So, total of around 20, 28 towns, 28, 29 towns. And what is the, what percent, let's say, for example, Delhi. So, in Delhi, what percentage of the broadband market is with you? Okay, Airtel has been doing wireline business in Delhi from last 20 years. And they have the biggest share. I think around a million, maybe more than a bit more than a million users. I think we have around 4 lakh users, 4.2, 4.3 user lakh users, reaching around half a million users in last five years of our existence. Yeah, so probably will be number two in Delhi. So nationally, if you discount the telcos, Airtel and Geo, we would be third or fourth in the broadband companies list. And so essentially, like more than 50% of your current user base is from Delhi. Delhi is like the your flagship 
location, so to say. It was the old, oldest location. It started before anybody anywhere else. And we were slower to get a start in the south. Because we started Hyderabad in 2017 or 18. But attraction is now coming actually from there. Because we're on the resources there. So yeah, I joke with the people here that we are a Delhi company with the offshoots here and there. Now from last year, we're a truly national company. Yes, we just multiple engines pulling it. What all do you need to do to make a city grow? Is it a lot of like hoardings and advertisements and marketing spend or is it like feet on street? Or See, because this is a hyper local business because each and every household has to be connected to fiber. The marketing is also very hyper local effort. It can be 10 localities, but not in five in between. So you cannot do ATL, you cannot do mass promotion on a TV or a radio or something like that. What you can do very effectively is hyper-local stuff which is done through feet on street. Those canopy activities, those standy activities, uh, local competitions and so on and so forth. Pamphlets, the newspaper inserts because we still have newspapers here. So newspaper inserts from time to time. So such things work here. But yeah, the entire effort is hyper-local. And now obviously thanks to technology, we have Google, a targeted Google ads, targeted Facebook ads because they can do for each ads real obituary. So that's also what we use a lot now. Percentage of your spend, uh, marketing spend is online and what percentage is offline? Do you spend more on online ads or more on offline? No, much more on offline, much more on offline because you have a huge army of, you know, 2,000 people who need to be fed with these pamphlets. Without pamphlets, they are, there's nothing they can do. So each person per day needs around 100 pamphlets to talk to people. So so it's passive. It's like 80% is offline and 20% is online. What is the unit economics for a salesman? Like how much do you pay a salesman and how much revenue does he generate for you? Yeah, so a salesman on an average earns plus minus 20,000 rupees. And the least you expect from him to survive in the system is one per day, one line per day. So at least 26, 27 lines in a month for him to survive in the system. Otherwise, performance improvement plans will kick in and so on and so forth and he'll be sort of either he improves performance or he'll not stay in the system. They need to create one one line per day. About 300 new subscriptions annually, roughly speaking. So what is your flywheel? Is it just that keep hiring more salespeople and each salesperson will get you 300 subscriptions or what is the flywheel for you? There are two legs to uh, There are two spokes to the wheel, uh, so to say. One is number of partners. We call them ERPs, exactly regional partners. Partner, I mean the local entrepreneur. And then the sales guy has to be mapped to the partner. And depending on the homes that this partner has covered, you designate salespeople. So each salesperson for around 3,000 homes, 3,000 homes. But depending on homes you have, you are ready for service, you put the sales guy. So there's this map. Homes ready for delivery compared to a number of people. So you need to do both at the same time. You need to increase your distribution through partners and then you need to increase the sales effort through only one lot work. Got it, got it. Okay, okay. You know, you're operating in a market with very well capitalized competitors. What makes you feel that there is a space for you to exist and thrive and grow? Or is the path forward eventually getting acquired by one of these? What do you see? Simply put, as I said, that all these well-capitalized players, telcos, are primarily operating in this 30-35% of urban India, which is structured. I think like Reliance uh, is making that effort with the geophone to tap beyond urban India and... Uh, as far as wireline goes, uh, it's very difficult for them to envisage and, uh, you know, under these territories where 70% of the urban Indians live. So, yeah, our, our game uh, remains there uh, in the Bharat section of urban India. 
in uh, the places where there are no proper broadband services have been given. We're providing world-class fiber to home services at 500 rupees to these people. So game and that's the mass we're looking at. Can there be a strategic tie-up with one of these players? Yes, whenever they see value in us, which they have started already seeing, is they're also starting their partner-led divisions now. I think both Airtel and Geo. Okay, so partner-led division is like copying your model, the entrepreneur model. Okay, okay. Exactly. They are starting in cities here and there. But again, for, from their perspective, it's very difficult to do it because they are basically a telecommunication uh, company doing it directly, now trying to patch partners. While as in our case, the whole ecosystem has been built to convert these partners into real franchisees. There's a lot of IT, a lot of technology that we put into the whole ecosystem. You see, the fundamental issue is that if you have 500 partners in Delhi, you don't want 500 customer experiences. You want one customer, uniform customer experience. You want one delivery type. You want one uh, resolution uh, of ticket. For that, we have put in a lot of operations. Not te- technology not there because nobody was doing this model before. So the technology didn't exist. So we had to do a lot, our own coding. We had to put our coders and create softwares for all. So essentially, you have a lot of digital workflows to ensure consistency across partners. Yeah, first and foremost, treating them as real franchisee. That these are the guys who can be your partners. So gamification of the whole thing, uh, four hour SLAs. In our case, if you are there, if your issue is resolved in four hours, fine. If not, will you one day free to customer? Uh, success uh, level of trust on the uh, and commitment from the service it doesn't come easy. It comes with a lot of processes and a lot of uh, like work and then a lot of codification of those processes. Like, uh, give me some examples of what all work you've done here to make this work build an organization which is yeah for, let's start with the basic thing now we have for example in delhi 600 fses street on street now where are they where do we find them where are they selling first and foremost we have tagged them uh, they have apps and on those apps they can do sale uh, they can book a customer now these apps will work only on one partner location for a specific person when he's tagged he goes out of that location the app, the app doesn't work and you build this app in-house exactly exactly he can do sales from that app. He can do everything with that app. Uh, similarly, apps for the partner staff, because partner itself is not working. He has a few more people. So they are also tagged in the system. They We understand who, who's doing what. How much time is he taking to resolve a complaint? Partner also comes to know how effectively work is being done by his people on the ground. So it's all through apps and portals that we are uh, interacting with each other. There must be some customer app also where customers can raise issues or... Exactly. Customer app also. And there's a partner app also. There's a FAC app also. Apps and portals are interactive with each other in our case rather than just patching it up. So the whole resolution could be digital without needing to actually talk to anyone. Like a customer could raise an issue on the app and the partner would get notified through the app that this is a problem. And If it is a partner's problem, if it's not partner's problem, he can do a self-check. Also, there's a system that checks parameters and there is always issue without anybody talking to them. And if it goes to partner, if only there's a fiber cut where physically somebody goes to resolve it. If it's not fiber cut, then we can take care of it remotely. Okay. There could be some configuration issues and things like that. All that can be done remotely. Now we have even artificial intelligence, which tells us what is happening inside a customer's home in the sense that how many devices are connected to the Wi-Fi, whether it's a Samsung phone, a Sony TV or an Apple MacBook, which one is getting how much bandwidth, where is the issue, is the, is the issue location of the router or the person is not sitting on a proper place to get the device, you know, signals, so on and so forth. Do you think you'll have more success in the tier two towns that you have opened up in, considering that metro cities are like all the telcos are also 
going after metro city audience the fundamental assumption is the same that whether in metro or in small city in the indian nature of indian city is the same 30% organized 30% high rbu and 70% mass and 70% unorganized and you know so metros as well as non metros have same uh, you know any small city in india you have nagars rajiv nagar indra nagar jawahar nagar and all that and then you have old names which are, which has like 70% live there in old names yeah like you jabrutpur and all these places in shadra utam nagar it's full that's where people live but where do you see your growth coming from is it your growth will come more from non metro or more from metro or see the initial growth is always from metro but once you are strong in a metro you go to nearby towns for example when we were strong in delhi and now we have around 10 or towns in up but but you for for that to happen you need to cover and capture nearby metro first and that's how people from other metro other smaller towns because they look up to the metro nearby metro not look up to delhi people in the west look up to bombay people in south look up to chennai you know so and so forth so you need to have metro first and then you need to go to smaller towns and oh, so you are currently at about 7 and a half lakh subscribers uh, what's your road map like do you have the then the year we need to in any case reach a million and that's what we have promised investors and we deliver that and uh, by that two i mean 2023 2024 mid will be 2 million users so about 10% of the broadband to home like fixed line to home market will be with you by end of 2023 we are marketing growth so till that time so yeah and so what's your long term vision for this do you look at eventually getting acquired or eventually going for an ipo or from that perspective both options are open akshay if some bigger entity wants to keep the model keep the basic principles and give a bigger platform for us to open 1000 cities tomorrow why not and that will be one way strategic types and the other is ipo obviously so these are the two options in front of us what is the investor interest for this space broadband to home not much unfortunately in the sense at least in this country because the reliance there uh, and uh, yeah so everybody thinks that uh, they're going to sort of uh, take everything to make them understand it's wireline it's not mobile and wireline is thousand times more complicated to do even for uh, reliance so it's not very hot in that sense would 5g be a viable alternative to broadband to home would 5g give similar speeds or you see any 5g 4g 3g any g for that matter either mobile technologies and uh, mobile technologies mean uh, they're very good uh, when you are on the move uh, on the go it works perfectly all right but as soon as you enter home it doesn't uh, it starts having problems and the problem is that higher you go in frequency the more would be the problem you see when we used to have 2g mobiles used to work very well inside homes also then came 3g started getting worse off then 4g is very bad right now in the country uh, and 5g will be worse because it's physics uh, you increase the frequency the amplitude goes down so the ability to penetrate walls goes down so all these uh, mobile technologies will be very good for on the go they'll get a lot of you'll get a lot of speed for sure on the go what for home the other thing that is there is the limitation of spectrum spectrum is the air frequency used to get the data now you have one tower in a locality and a limited capacity tower and then 100 people latch onto the tower the capacity is divided by 100 people so for example if we are all watching a match at the same time the tower will go down because it will not work whatever g it might be yeah here you are getting a dedicated wire to your home meant for you alone and a capacity dedicated to you alone and it works anywhere in the home because wifi router is inside the home so you're saying at scale 5g speeds will be like 4g speeds 
once there is like mass level 5G adoption, just simply because of the large volume of uh, users. Yeah, 4G is supposed to give around 60, 70, 80 Mbps. But what is that you get? You get 2025 right now. So similarly, 5G is supposed to give 100 something, but it will give you 10, 15 like that. So uh, broadband to home will always be faster, especially for video. And Okay, okay. So is uh, bundling a part of your strategy? Because essentially, if you're saying video consumption is the key use case for broadband to home, then it would make sense to sell a complete package with subscriptions included in it. Yeah, we're doing that. We're trying to do that. Though um, we don't see a great sort of uh, use case there because people are already getting these OTT apps through mobile uh, operators. And everybody who has a mobile connection gets a free gets free OTT devices or free OTT services. Still, we're bundling it. Because uh, if somebody wants to use it from our customer base, uh, they can have it. Got it. Amazing. Okay. And that brings us to the end of this conversation. I want to ask you for a favor now. Did you like listening to the show? I'd love to hear your feedback about it. Do you have your own startup ideas? I'd love to hear them. Do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in the show? I'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests. Write to me at ad at the podium.in. That's ad at t-h-e-p-o-d-i-u-m dot in.